in the morning of the 14th, um, we get up a little earlier, Yudavim Shacharit, and also there's one piece in the Shacharit, which is the Mizmor Litoda. Um, that's the thank uh, chapter. That comes right after, right after the Baruch Shamar. Um, starting from the Pesach Eve, through the entire holiday of Pesach, we don't say this. The reason is because that particular sacrifice had chametz in it. And we don't want to mention the korban, which is as if we brought the korban, which had chametz in it. Now, on Erev Pesach, technically, you still could um, say it because you could still have chametz in the morning when you're saying it. But um, that would sort of curtail the time that you can eat it because you'd have to finish before midday. You couldn't, and we don't want to do that. So anyways, so starting from uh, the eve, we don't do eve of Pesach, Bismar Latoda on page 30. We don't do this uh, throughout, and, and including Cholamoyed. Um, the other thing is to be careful of is to make sure to finish eating the chametz on the time that's advertised to make sure that you're done with all the eating. See, there's two times. There's one time when you're not allowed to eat, and that is the end. And then there is the time that you must get rid of your chametz. You can't benefit from it either, which is about an hour, the seasonal hours later. So you got to make sure to check the calendar to make sure that you finish eating at the time specified. The eating's before the burning. Yes, and then uh, later on to make sure by when you have to uh, burn the chametz. Um, now, today we make a fire for the uh, chametz separately. We never, we don't use it in a, uh, any way. Uh, people in the olden days would, who have stoves that they would burn, so it would be very easy, one would think, to dispose the chametz right into the fire. Let's say they have an oven that is burning, so they would have disposed the chametz by throwing it into the, into the fire that's already there. However, uh, we don't do that with the chametz because the reason is uh, that the um, chametz is not something that you want to benefit from. If the chametz stays around in the oven, then you might be cooking later on or baking later on, whatever, using the fire, and you might be using that chametz to heat, so then you would end up benefiting from the chametz. That's why you keep it in a separate uh, uh, flame, and you burn the chametz separately. And also, um, it's uh, proper to have at least a kezai, the size of an olive of chametz, then you're actually burning the chametz. So that's, uh, I mean, you would um, make the, you know, you don't, you don't make a bracha by, Anyways, you do the bracha by the bedika when you do the uh, searching of the chametz. Uh, there's also a very important thing for people to remember. First of all, with fires, as always you have to be very careful whenever there's a fire around. You make uh, a bonfire in your uh, No, uh, we, we used to make a thing, but it became you know, hazardous with the fire department and everything. I didn't want to <laughs> deal with that. So everybody does their own thing now. So what do you burn it? Uh, I do it in my backyard, actually. Mm-hmm. And I, I, put it, I use uh, my, my grill and I just, yeah. you know... Oh. I just use the grill and I burn it on the grill. That's it. That's what I do. Um, the, um, one of the things is that people forget sometimes is to check the pockets, especially if children. 
kids, you know, sometimes put candy or other things in the pocket. Sometimes adult children as well uh, <laughs> will put something. So, um, and, um, you know, we know that the uh, car is something which we live a lot in today, you know, and uh, eat we eat a lot in the car. And so the car should be also checked for chametz, should also be, uh, and, uh, you know, vacuum and everything else, you know, make sure that, uh, um, you know, that there's nothing left over there. Are you responsible for comments that you don't know about? Like the candies in the pocket. Let's say you didn't check or you didn't know. And yeah, so the answer to that is like you don't know as, long, when, as long as you've done what you are responsible for, which means you search for the comments and you try to do the best you can, as long as you've done whatever you can and uh, as much as reasonably expected, then you fulfilled your obligation. And then you would not violate the prohibition because you were an oinus, meaning it was a mishap out of your control. But if you didn't check deliberately, you were lazy or you were negligent, then it may be a mistake, but you still violated by mistake. You know, but in this case, there's a difference between a mistake or a, uh, or a mishap. Um, many times, the, you know, especially if you're uh, raising children, uh, you know, there was, oh, I forgot, you know, I, it's a mistake. You know, how many times, you know, I, you know, I forgot to do, you know. You ask them, please, you know, take out the garbage, come back, oh, I forgot to do it. Clean up the room, I forgot. So do you think when a person says that they forgot, they, they probably forgot, you know, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. But really forgetting is not really an excuse. I mean, if something that's important, you know, forget. So that means in accidents is the same way, you know, we have to... Uh, bring a sacrifice, if we do an, a sin by accident, we didn't know, then we have to, we need an atonement for that. Why? Because even to make an accident doesn't mean that you are totally exempt. It means it was a mistake, but it was a mistake that you should have seen to it that it doesn't happen. You know, sometimes if you're late, if you're late to a doctor's appointment, you know, I'm sure you've heard every excuse in the book, pretty much, and more about why they're late. You know, and but that's good excuses, but it's not. But sometimes it is what's called a mishap, which means it's not an excuse. It's something which is beyond your control. Right. If you, uh, if somebody takes your hand and pushes it against somebody else, it's, you didn't do it at all. It's not like you made a mistake. It's not any response. It doesn't relate to you at all. So. I'm trying to say there would be a difference in the chametz would be a difference. If you do what you have to do reasonably, you check your house, you check everything else, and then you find a uh, piece of chametz, then you're not responsible for that. You, of course, you've got to deal with it from this point and on. What you've got to do, you've got to remove it, get rid of it. If it's yontov, you've got to cover it. We've had different laws. But the, the requirement is to do what you have to do. If somebody gives you, like there's also different responsibilities, somebody gives you, let's say, a, uh, an item to watch to safekeep, right? And then, uh, and then, 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 you know, then, you know, there was an armed robbery. So maybe you won't, you won't be responsible. It depends what kind of, a, if you get paid for it or not. There's various different things, but I'm just giving you an example. If it was an armed robbery, it was beyond your control. So then maybe you're going to be exempt because it's not something that you could have done. I mean, there's not robbery and you don't 
expect you know to to have an armed robbery, and that's maybe exempt. On the other hand, if you just didn't lock your door at night time and somebody walked in, you know, that's your fault. That's negligent. So there is, and there's a lot of gray area between what is considered to be negligent, what is considered mishap. But most of the mistakes that we do are they can be prevented with um, with proper attention or with proper. Um, importance if we place enough importance to it so therefore the answer to your question if you didn't if you checked your car and you did what you can then uh then you wouldn't be responsible if you checked your pockets but if you don't check your pockets and then you found it may not be a deliberate act of but it still would not be mean that you want to well, violate like our practice if you show up late and you say i forgot the appointment we may say to you go look another schedule yeah. But if you show up late and you go, I was in a car accident. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You know, you're going to see you. you know, that's right. If you're late. It's not your fault. Yeah. Right. right. Now, I was thinking of the city of refuge. Yeah. The six cities of refuge that by there, accident you may have caused. Yeah, but that, yeah, but there too, there's very, very specific laws. It's either when it's going way up. Over there it talks about you were chopping wood, the example of the Torah of you, chopping wood and then a piece goes and, and kills somebody by accident, and then you're still responsible. But also, over there also, we can't, if it's a total mishap, which was totally beyond your control. But, you know, when we, when we drive our cars today, they tell you you have to have your car inspected. And if you come back and later on and say, if you're driving with a car that is, uh, you know, with faulty brakes or something, and you say, well, I didn't know I crashed to somebody, well, you should make sure your brakes are okay. But they make you uh, take a car inspection once in uh, whatever to just make sure, because they don't trust that people will take care of their, of their cars, and they may cause a problem. So well, there's a lot of variation. And with Allah, you talk about this in the Talmud, there's a lot of variation over there. It makes a difference if you're on your way up or on your way down. There's, there's a lot of difference. So, but there is a certain amount of uh, responsibility. I think even the law, like involuntary uh, manslaughter, is also punishable by law, even though it was involuntary. But, you well, know, right, it's, uh, it's not harmless. Right, you get a lesser sentence. You get a lesser sentence, but you're still responsible. Right. But you won't get... But if somebody goes and pushes you on somebody else, or if you're sitting in your car and somebody bangs into your car and you got to kill somebody else, you're yeah. not going to be responsible because well, no, like, you didn't do anything. Over there you were just... Uh, you, you were by someone uh, while driving and it's not your fault, you know, someone cut you off, you get manslaughter. Yeah, you don't still manslaughter. Right? Okay. That's by the law. In any event, um, the other thing is to remember that after you burn the chametz, you also say again the kol chamira, which is the second one. And the first time, once you finish this searching of the chametz, over there you say the kol chamira, you're essentially giving up any ownership to any chametz that you missed, as we said, because you missed. But when you finish burning at that point, but from the nighttime, you still have chametz that you know that you're going to eat that night or you're going to eat in the morning, the ones that you have to burn. So... After you finish burning the chametz, you say a second one, and in this time you include everything that you have found and that you have not found. The, the chametz that you found, that you have not found, everything. Now, like I was asking Marty, like my kids eat cereal in the morning before, so do you, do you have to burn that cereal box, or can you put it back into the room that you sold the chametz in? Good question. The question, the answer is. The chametz is only sold at the last minute. 
So you can't put anything you want away in that uh, place because it is sold at the last minute right before Pesach. It's sold, not before. So therefore, they don't sell it. You see, you have to start eating and you still have another hour before, before it starts. You still up? Huh? He has everything. You should have. Generally, this is applies to every yontiv. Uh, uh, you know, we get ready for yontiv, but on erev Pesach, uh, erev Pesach, there is a little bit more of a holiday. Actually, there's a whole chapter in the Talmud called Makam Shenohagu, which is in the Talmud of Tractate Pesachim. Uh, there are some places that they don't do work on Erev Pesach. We do do work, and sort of on the half a day, but a half a day, we don't, we don't really have the tradition not to work, but uh, it's still it's considered a little bit like Chalamoyed, like uh, semi-holiday. Um, usually people that, you know, uh, take haircuts before the holiday, and especially before Pesach, because if you don't take a haircut before Pesach, technically you cannot take a haircut till Lag Bomer or maybe even till after Shavuos. Some people don't take a haircut on Lag Bomer either, but it's going to be a long time, so you should take your haircut and also actually cut the nails uh, before midday, because that's considered to be somewhat of a work, of a job. We don't want to do it in the afternoon. It's more than 50% of the day. Yeah. About the 24 hour cycle, yeah. right? Yeah. So, okay, so you want to, okay. so you want to make sure that you do it beforehand. Uh, a haircut... If you forgot, you didn't do it, maybe uh, a goy, you can still have you do your hair. But uh, that's considered to be work, and we shouldn't do that after afternoon. So someone has to remember on Erev Pesach to take to cut the nails and take the haircuts before midday. Is that because from then on you can't get one? Because you, because you're not, not because of Sphira, no. It's because of the day. The fourteenth is like a semi-holiday, oh, and afternoon nice. you don't want you. But we want you to make sure you want a haircut before Yantav, so that you can do this. so. Uh, so therefore, we say to do it in the after, in the morning before the afternoon. What if you're really religious and you like extra, and you don't have any chametz on the fourteenth? You have nothing to burn, or you have to burn something. Okay, so it's best, you don't have to, have to, but it's best to... Someone's like precautions. Yeah, it's best to to do. So first of all, you don't forget. And second of all, to fulfill the mitzvah of of, of burning chametz. So it's best. should have to. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it says in the Shulchan Aruch that one should make a fire regardless because uh, we want to, because if the next year, what happens, you're going to have chametz, you might forget it all. Uh, that there is such a thing as burning chametz, because right. so we want you to the motions still have to go through, right. so that that way you remember. Now we have something very interesting. You may not be familiar. They call them matzis mitzvah, mitzvah matzah. Now you know the the um, main thing on Pesach is not to have any chametz. No, the, which is the most probable place that you might make a mistake and there be chametz. It's not in the fish that you're going to eat, because what does fish have to do with the chametz, right? And it's not in the chicken that you're going to eat. It's in the matzah. Because the matzah uh, is where you have flour and water. That becomes, can either become chametz or matzah. That's where the danger lies. Now, something very important to remember. There is a difference between midday before half a day Pesach and after, with regards to how much 
of chametz can be. You're not allowed. You're not allowed to come and you're not allowed to consume. All prohibitions of the Torah. Every time there is a shear, there is a mount. Usually, in most cases, by and large, when we talk about treif or things like that, you have to eat the size of an olive in order to violate the Torah prohibition. Now, granted, even if you should eat a half of a treif, half the size of an olive, there will be a separate prohibition of a chatzis shear, which we rule is prohibited. A half a shear is also awesome in the Torah, but that would be a separate prohibition. The prohibition of let's say, not eating a chalev, not eating treif, would only apply to a size of an olive. All prohibitions are like that. The exception is chametz. Any amount of chametz is a prohibition to eat. What does this mean? Here we have the problem. What it means really is, if you have one crumb, okay, so you're not going to eat one crumb, but what happens if the crumb has mixed in to other stuff. So what happens is that if it's after midday, when even one, which, which chametz is also, even a mashu, even a drop, so any mixture that you're going to eat is going to still be uh, eating chametz because you're going to eat a drop over there. It depends. A mixture that took place before midday on the 14th has already been nullified. It's no longer in existence. It's no longer chametz because it's been bottled. But if you take a crumb of chametz and you put it in side of after midday and it's mixed up, it's not going to help you because every drop is already become usher, the chametz. And therefore, when you're coming to bake the matzah on the afternoon, you have to be very careful because even if you miss one crumb, that becomes, let's say, chametz. You don't watch it, and then it mixes up. It's going to mess everything up. It's very, very careful. Most people don't bake matzah on yeah, Friday, on the afternoon. Do it the day before. Uh, the day or months. Or, yeah, yeah. But those are called, actually, the matzah's mitzvah, because you know the Jews baked the matzah when before they left Egypt. Left Egypt. That was right then. That's when they baked their matzahs. So there is called that the matzah's mitzvah, and there is a special uh, mitzvah to do those. They called the matzah's mitzvah. Those are the mitzvah matzahs, and the uh, Rebbe Rashab would be there. They say the halal. There's very special rules over there, and uh, there was very. Everything had to be done so precise, specific, to make sure that nothing happens. But the Rebbe, on the other hand, huh? Do people cook their own matzah? Bake, bake their own matzah. Yeah, today they have, they make like groups, so you can bake your own matzah. So they actually. bake it always before, just to cover, the, cover make sure. We, the normal there's not enough place, but there's is, there is just very few, very meticulous, and people are very religious, like you were saying before, who will bake their matzah on the afternoon. They bake their own matzah. They go to a matzah bakery. They don't do it in their home, obviously. Yeah, that's right. But they do it after the noontime? And some of them, those who want to be particular, do it in the afternoon time, yes. Now, the the Rebbe had a tradition that we had many for many times. The Rebbe had a tradition, and this went on for many years, uh, 
that the Rebbe would distribute the Shemura Matzah to each person on Erev Pesach and wish everybody um, a, um, a kosher, a chak kosher v'sameach. That's interesting because Pesach is the only holiday when you wish someone, you say chak kosher. That's right, because it's okay, that's Cause exactly. Because that's like, you don't say that on Rosh Hashanah. Or, right, exactly. Or Hanukkah, chak kosher. Absolutely, so you got a good point. Because on Pesach, it's so problematic to make everything well, just right. So you're right. giving him a blessing that well, it should be a kosher. That's right. And that should be a kosher. Very good. That takes place really in the home versus the synagogue. Well, Rosh Hashanah, you eat at home. Yeah, but everything is done at home. It's not done in the show. Right. Yeah. That's the only one. Now, what happened was... It's at home. Now, what happened was that the Rebbe gave it out to a certain amount to a year... It says till the year Tovshin Lamed Zayin, the Rebbe would give out the matzah and by himself he would stand. You know, as the Chabad community grew, and the Chabad community grew, and the Rebbe would distribute to each one, adult, child, each one would go by the Rebbe a piece of matzah, a piece of matzah, with a blessing the Rebbe would would do. Now you can imagine... The lines, and you can imagine. And as Chabad take, take a number, as the Chabad grew, it became practically impossible logistically. So what happened was, what do you do with that pizza? Unless you put it on your seder plate. On your seder plate. That's right. Good. Yeah, and you eat it. And what happened was that um, the Rebbe started uh, using the uh, young young people who are studying in the kolel, the kolel that's after they get married. So the Rebbe would use them as his agents, distributors, and the Rebbe would give them the matzahs, and then they would give out. I remember I had the privilege one year, uh, when I was in kolel, to do that too, to uh, give out some of the the Rebbe's matzahs. That was the last year the Rebbe did it. Was it 1987 or 1977? No, Tavshin Lamed Zayin, no. Actually, 1977. That was when the Rebbe finished it. Can you do taxes on Colmoyd? Because the 15th falls during Yeah? Oh, that's it. Well, if you're like... Are you serious? There's an extension? Never. Now... We want to prepare for the Seder table. We're going to go a few more minutes. We'll do prayer for something. Okay, so uh, we prepare the Seder table. So before you go to shul, basically, you have to organize your table. So you don't want to start coming from the shul and then starting to prepare everything. So you want to make sure that it's already prepared. Uh, Table is set, the order, the, the dishes, anything you're going to use. But the actual Seder plate we put on the nighttime. We don't do it before we go. The actual plate at nighttime, uh, you do it before Kiddush. That's the tradition. Again, logistically, if you're running a big Seder and the kids are falling asleep, maybe you don't have a choice to do it. With them. Now, we just talk about the matzis. You don't prepare this, the, the plates. It's usually your wife. Is well, the kids. The, the wife, you know, right, yeah, right. They, they, yeah, uh, my wife won't let me do it. Yeah. My kids always did it. Uh, also, you got to make sure that challah was taken from uh, um, challah. You know, when you bake, uh, the, you need the challah. It's, but it says that it's taken. It right, right, right. Um, in the um, traditions, also, uh, 
Um, not to use matzahs that, you know, sometimes you have like a pocket in the matzah, like they blow up a little bit, though. Tradition is not to use those. Um, still, it's blown up a little bit, so not to use those. Yeah. And also, sometimes they fold over, like the double over, it gets very thick. Um, so, just to make sure that you have the proper ones, and uh, if you need to... Um, uh, on Shabbos, sometimes you know you, say you need to hold ones from you know you need to, it's it's okay to do that. Uh, Shabbos you're not allowed to sort out, but whole ones from that is is okay. He says here, and um, you try for the seder. You want to get like matzahs that have like a, it's like a shaped a little bit so that it's it's, a, it's considered like a vessel and the and then you have the are those are like the lights in those are like the energies that go inside there and it's just and then you have this roa that's the um shank bone they say but um we we do it um uh we roast it once like we roast it and roast it before before yantiv uh, if you didn't roast it then you know, you shouldn't roast it really on. Um, you're not. You're not eating that part of it. It's just staying over there. So just so you use cooked. You know, and uh, in the Chabad tradition, we use a neck of a chicken, a neck of a chicken. Um, and it's also um, traditional that we don't actually eat it later on. This is supposed to resemble the korban pesach, but we don't want to eat it or do anything that would really think, oh, you know, that's why we take a chicken bone and right. we take, we don't want it to and in any way be uh, mistaken for this is like a carbon. it's not really a carbon. And well, you don't pass around uh, the chicken bone, you yeah. pass around everything else. Yeah, but you leave it over there and actually the tradition is to remove most of the meat from, so you have a little, you need some meat because the meat is what is counts, the bib, not the bone, but you still, you know, and the egg yeah. that we use is a hard egg, a hard boiled egg, yeah? Why the chicken egg versus the shank bone? Um, I'm not sure exactly why a chicken neck was a shank bone because I'm, I'm thinking that it'd probably be too much of a waste. It's only my own uh, interpretation. A shank bone is the what? Lamb. But they didn't yeah. eat much lamb in Europe. No, but I was thinking you think about a shank bone as a lamb. That's that. Of course, you know we don't eat that. We take that from the. We do. It's more accessible from the chicken. But I'm saying even like the polka. When we use like the the leg of the of the chicken, but I'm I'm thinking is because you're not really using it, and the neck is thrown out most of the time anyways, so you don't want to just waste it. So you're using the neck, and the reason we use um, two was you know one because there was basically two korbanos, two sacrifices. One was the Pesach, and then there was the korban chagiga. That was the special festival uh, korban that we had, and. Um, so we use two types of food, yeah. You say you remove challah. It's not really challah. But the challah is when you're baking it. It's called right, challah. Right, but it's not. Not called challah. It's a cold challah. You're right. It's called challah, but it's... We call today challah, but it's called, the Torah is called... It's, it says in the box. No, but yeah. when you're making matzah, you're not... You can't let it rise like that, right? You're right. You're absolutely right. But the challah is just the name, the name. of not... Is the name of the separation is called challah. Yeah, but it's on the box. That's how. All right. It's yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now. Uh, yeah. Hey. Yeah. Now, morer. What do we use for morer in our tradition? Uh, we use both. We use uh, we use uh, horseradish, 
and we also use the Romaine letters, lettuce, and um, we use them for both, for the maror, which is used by ourselves, right. and also later on we'll use the sandwich, we also right. use the them both. And, you know, there's a lot of problems we have today with the uh, with the vegetables, with bugs and everything like that, yeah, so, so you got to wash it off, uh, and you should do it during the daytime, and... Uh, if you can, you can use. They have like today. They have bug free. Uh, sometimes they sell. You can buy. You can buy wash. Organic. Yeah. Organic. Yeah. Organic spray. No, you can buy. You can buy it on wash. Yeah. He says. But I'm Shabbat. You need to do them. Uh, he says like this. Sometimes people soak. He says sometimes people uh, soak the vegetables in salt water to get rid of the bugs. He says, That's not a good idea because. What happens is they die, but they still remain on that. It's best to, when you're running water and things like that, you get them, you chase them bugs out. Bugs aren't kosher. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Um, and on uh, Shabbos, you can't kill a bug. Right, right. Uh, yeah. You're not supposed to step on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is there a name of, what's the Shabbat called in between Pesach? Is there a name for it? Shabbos Agadol. No, that's before Pesach. No, it's Shabbos Chalamoyed. Shabbos Chalamoyed. So I thought Shabbat always takes precedence over every holiday, but you still eat matzah on, on Shabbat. Yeah, because there's no violation of the Shabbat. On the contrary, so what's wrong with eating matzah on Shabbat? If you wanted to eat matzah. Oh, well, no, but that, you're supposed to eat bread, though, anything that is a motzi, but it doesn't oh, make so a difference. Right, okay. People, sometimes people use... You're right. On a regular Shabbos, one should honor it with challah and the more than uh, yeah. But not, but that's not enough to uh, take Stop. a look. We're gonna do them in. okay. Let's just go through the, the harosis. We use um, a thick mixture of uh, various different um, uh, fruits, and we use those fruits that the Jewish people have been equated to. And um, you actually put in originally they put in some. Okay. To make it look like, uh, uh, to make it look like a little bit more like cement, you know, for the bricks. But he says we don't use because of the they, they, they stopped using some of these items because maybe there was hummus there. So the but, but the bottom line is we use apples, pears, and nuts. That's what we do, and uh, and you soften it down with a little wine. That's what you do, and. Uh, which is a sort of a reminder of the plague of blood. And he says like this, we said, by the way, the Rebbe used to do it, he used to have the mixture, charosis, and he'd put the wine, before he'd eat the murder, he'd put a little wine on it. So that was done, not in the prepared the dish, but before he actually, it was totally dry, and then he would put it... Um, and what he would do it, the way he would do it is he would take some of the mortar in his plate under the wine, the, the little plate, so that's how he would get it. Uh, uh, so uh, that that he would do for mortar, but he says by Korech, uh, you don't dip uh, in the charosis, uh, but you just put a little dry. So that was done on top of the mortar. And the karpas, which is the, we take a, karpas is an abbreviation of samach perach, meaning 600,000 worked hard labor work. We use a onion or sometimes we use a, a potato. Uh, no, an onion or a, a boiled potato. Yeah. Okay, and then we'll continue the wine, we'll, we'll continue.